0: It's the Basketball Hall of Fame's Legends podcast. I'm Kyle Belanger. Joining me today is a 2016 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame in He's an NCAA champion, that coming in 2000 with Michigan State. He's a seven-time Final Four participant, a three-time Big Ten Coach of the Year, the 1998 AP Coach of the Year, the 2012 NABC Coach of the Year, a true Michiganders Michigander, and the face of East Lansing, Michigan, in my estimation. That's not official. He is, of course, uh, head coach Tom Izzo. Coach, thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Well, thanks, Carl. It's a privilege and honor to be a uh, part
0: of this. So, I want to get started way back in Iron Mountain, Michigan, in the Upper Peninsula in the 60s. Um, It seems to me there's something about that time and that era that really seemed appropriate for developing iconic coaches. Of course, I'm not only referring to you, but your childhood best friend um, and former NFL headman, Steve Mariucci. Can you talk about your upbringing in that era, um, and and what maybe sticks out about uh, about that style of upbringing all these years later, and how it maybe helped to form the Tom Izzo that the world would come to know? Well, Carl, I, I was—I I think I
1: was uh, privileged to grow up in a small town, 70,000 people, and uh, it just happened that from you know elementary school on, my best friend was a guy named Steve Marichu. Became uh, the head coach at Cal and the head coach at San Francisco for the 49ers and then for the Lions and now is on the NFL Network and smarter than me got out of this and is, is, is joining the broadcasting side. But <laughs> you know we we were kind of you know when you're from a small town you're kind of brought up by the entire community the village whatever you want to say and him and I were products of that. Uh, you know we owe a lot of what we've done to both of our parents, but. Um, we owe a lot to the teachers and coaches we had up there. It seemed like everybody took an interest. To this day, Kyle, I have 60 former teachers and and coaches that get a bus every year, come down for a game. I get them tickets. They have a big party. It's about a 420 mile jaunt, so it's not an easy one. And, uh, and then we have a big party at my house. So I've kept my roots, so has Steve. Um, our friendship is still rock solid even though he lives in Los Gatos in San Francisco and I live here um it's kind of been a, a great ability to to work off each other him being so busy during football season and me in basketball um I can call him when football's on and talk to him about his problems and he can call me during basketball and talk to me about mine so
0: it's very well. It's amazing, Coach. You mentioned sort of the upbringing of the village, and, and it strikes me that, you know, since 1995, um, and, and I'm sort of skipping ahead a little bit, you know, when you became the head man at Michigan State, it seems to me that your style as a coach, when I think about some of the great players and the great teams that you've put together, have that same sort of being raised by the village feel to them. It, you know, the the players and the way that you coach and the way that you recruit feels like it's not just asking them to come into your circle, but you're sort of opening up the circle so that you can all succeed together. Is that, is that something that you brought with you on purpose?
1: You know, everybody preaches the family atmosphere and, uh, you know, but I've had a couple unique things that have happened to me. And, um, when you were brought up, as you say, in a small town, you have that when you played every sport you love other sports so when you fit into a college campus i'm not just about basketball here i love football i love women's basketball i love women's volleyball i love baseball you know and because you played them all when you were a kid that's changed now a little bit more where uh, you know you get more specified in one area but i think uh, you know as i look back uh you know those things did help form me and uh And I use those every day. You know, everybody preaches the family, but I think we walk the talk, and uh, and that's why you know some of the things I'm proudest of here is, I I guarantee you, we have more alums that come back than any school in America, and that's that's been uh, you know worked and and developed, and uh, and I think a lot of that comes from how I was raised, and and you know how I'm still treated up in the U.P. I used that for all we uh, worked here at a fifty thousand student uh,
0: uh college it's remarkable. Now even in college uh you you played for uh um, you know your your full college career at Northern Michigan. I'm wondering is is this the point when when the coach Tom Izzo started to started to creep in there? I mean when you get to Northern Michigan playing guard and maybe the game starts to become more a uh, more more apparent to you, you can see things developing better. Is that when coach Tom Izzo started to develop?
1: You know, I think it did. I I uh, it kind of happened in a funny way you know Mary and I were, were roommates and we're going through college and he's playing football and I played basketball I played a little football and and uh, we got done and applied for some jobs and I was a teacher and I was 22 years old and I I was offered a couple jobs and I said God I, I can't do this at 22 my students some would be 17, 18 you know and <laughs> I said I'm going to go Get my master's because I wasn't sure. And when I did that, um, I was, you know, there was a local high school job that opened. So I was kind of a GA at Northern, but coached the high school team. And then the next year I became a full time GA. So it actually started right when I graduated. I mean, I'm sure I formed the interest as I was playing and watching my college coach, but. It really happened because I was afraid to get to the real world. So I went back and worked (laughs) on my master's. And then everything started falling in place. And I became a GA there, then an assistant coach there. And then it was time to move. And uh, I kept applying for jobs downstate, which is where the more populated areas where I had a chance to grow and kept getting turned down. So I finally convinced Judd Heathcote that Even though I wasn't good enough to be an assistant here, I was good enough to be a GA, so I reversed back and went back to being a GA at Michigan State, and that's where my career really took
0: off it really did uh, and i think so much about those uh those years 94 to 95 when you know when when coach heathcote steps aside and uh and you're named um his successor can can you recall the circumstances surrounding that and maybe the events leading up to your hiring w- were there nerves that that maybe you weren't there, <laughs> that you weren't going to be the guy or that maybe if you were the guy gosh no one ever wants to be the guy to succeed the guy right
1: yeah it was an interesting Clark, Kyle, uh, you know, it started about 92, I started getting offered uh, Mac jobs, Central Michigan, and jobs like that, Western Michigan type jobs, and, and, uh, you know, Jed, uh was getting near retirement, I never thought of even succeeding him, but I think he kept telling me, you know, hey, you're better off here, you know, as an assistant. Preparing for Indiana and Michigan and Notre dame and than you are, you know, and I had already been to a smaller level although the centrals of the world were Division one, I'd been in the division two and so you know then then about ninety three uh Wisconsin, I think in Northwestern asked permission to talk to me and and a guy named George Perlis, who was our football coach here, was acting a d and uh, and an interim president and Judd got together and my name at least took surface and so they convinced me to hang on and then a year later uh, sure enough um, they made me the coach in waiting and uh, it was a tremendous move one that I never dreamed of if you want the truth and uh, so I waited the year and when I got it uh, we had lost two NBA players and Recruiting was okay, but not not necessarily great, you because know, we were in a little turmoil. What we were going to do, and and so we, uh, you know, those first couple of years were were struggles. I mean, we we succeeded. I think we were sixteen and sixteen and seventeen and twelve. But we, uh, you know, I, I can't say everybody was a fan of Tom Izzo, but I hmm. I learned shortly that they weren't a fan of Mike early. They weren't a fan of Dean Smith's early. I felt after reading a few books I was in good company
0: (laughs) (laughs) Can I ask and before I get to you know I I imagine that 2000 run five years later certainly made that office feel like home but when when was the moment that um, that 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 the office really felt like yours did it take years did it take weeks did it take months well
1: as I said the 95-96 season was you know was tough I mean the 90 697 season we had a great recruiting class and we we're going to be good with my top recruit between Cleves at back injury and so he was really a shell of himself but we were making progress and then i think it really took form at the beginning of my 97 98 season we started out four and three we got beat by central michigan with university of detroit which those things were illegal here and, <laughs> and it happened and uh And then I think it came to the point of, it looked like, you know, maybe my tenure was over. And uh, I'll never forget, I had a staff meeting with every person in this building, from my secretaries to my manager, to my janitor, to my strength coach and academic person. And there was about 15 of us in a room. And I kind of told them, look, if we don't change, I'm gonna get fired. If I get fired, three-fourths of you are gone with me. And it was like theirs, and we all started taking some ownership. From that meeting, we went 18 and four, huh. won our first Big Ten championship, went to the first NCAA tournament, got beat by North Carolina in the Sweet 16. And and I thought that's where I started to feel comfortable, not only in my job, but comfortable. That the people accepted me. And yeah. the next year went to a final four and the year after we won it all. So it was kind of a storybook start after a little bit of a shaky beginning. And thank God for some of the greats before me, like you know, Dean Smith, Mike Krzyzewski, who kind of went through two, three years of you know not good records and this and that. It, it gave me something to uh, to look at and feel a hair more comfortable with.
0: Now five years five years in, Mateen Cleaves, Mo Pete, Charlie Bell, you all cut down the nets in Indianapolis, beating Florida. Besides the trophy, of all <laughs> of the teams you've coached, what sticks out? As, as special for that one, besides the trophy? Because I know that's the layup answer, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, it was the newness, you know? It was your new girlfriend, you know? It was, you know, we hadn't been, uh, we hadn't won a national championship since 79, and Magic Johnson, of course, And but uh, you just think of all the fold of all of that, that we played this Sweet 16 in the Elite Eight in Detroit, uh, where the Pistons play, and it was like, it was like, you know, that was coming off the fab vibe a few years earlier and Michigan was the team and Michigan State was the afterthought and it was like, it was the time that the state accepted us. So that was very positive. It was a time when the alums, the Magics and the Steve Smiths and the Skileses and all those guys started, you know, coming back. It was, uh, it was kind of the ability to drag 500,000 alums together, you know, it was, uh, I thought of all those things that night going into that game, you know, my family, were, you're right, there were so many things above the championship, and then I had, I think, one of the greatest leaders that was ever here since Magic Johnson and Mateen Cleves and he embodied what I stood for, just a blue collar, hardworking, regular guy that, uh, you know, was tough, that was motivating, that He started the theory of uh, a player-coach team is better than a coach-coach team for me. Uh, Because he had a pulse on my team. I I respected and understood him, and he did me, and uh, after some early rookie frustrations for both of us. And uh, and so it it was like a combination, a five-year combination of all the work, but it was also a stepping stone into you know, now can you maintain that and
0: can you build on that? And I think we've done a decent job of that. <laughs> yeah, fantastic job. Now, so many of your guys have gone on to play uh, at the next level, some we've mentioned already. But one of the things that I love so much about your guys is is the grit and guts. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, Mateen's theory of the, the, of the, you know, player-coach team. Um, is there one of your former players that you wish people talked about more?
1: You know, there really, they really are, probably a couple, but a guy named Antonio Smith was my first recruiter. He might've been the worst shooter I've ever recruited and maybe the toughest guy. And, uh, you know, uh, Judd Heathcote cloned, uh, his offense as, uh, your best offense is his missed shot because then he'd go and get it and rebound and put it in. And that's where we got our, our rebounding philosophy from. And Antonio was a guy that took a chance on me when nobody else would. And, uh. And I'd say that he was kind of the unforgotten one. He graduated the year before we won it. He went, He got us to the first Final Four, but um, I'd say that was a guy that really started things off for me as a as a player under the Tom Izzo era. Now, as an assistant here, Steve Smith was the first guy I recruited. Yeah. And I always tell Steve if not for him, I probably wouldn't be here because he turned out so good. <laughs> And then, uh, you know, he had a little bigger name, but I don't think people ever associate him with me just as an assistant. And yet that was the first guy I've ever recruited at Michigan State. And uh, he turned out to be a 14-year pro and Olympian and all the other things. And, and still a great guy who's given back a lot of money. And so he's one of the rocks of our program that we should never forget also.
0: Finally, Coach, what does it mean for you to be working with the Hall of Fame at this stage in your life with so many games still left to coach?
1: Well, I think it was the biggest honor. Uh, You know, I'll be honest with you. uh, When they called me on the Hall and, you know, I was a candidate and they call you uh, and tell me we're going to probably call you Wednesday. And and I didn't think I'd get in on the first ballot or whatever. and, And I also, you know, I just, like getting the head job here, it was a, it was a dream that you never thought would be a reality and when he told me, I remember standing up and and beyond embarrassingly so crying you know and just saying wow this is this is unreal and uh I remember being able to call my parents and 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 telling my uh my mother uh you know my dad had just died, and I remember telling my mother and it was my wife and um, you know, when you become part in certain fraternities, and I talk about a family atmosphere, but when I became part of the hall and, uh, you know, went to the, the first thing, which was when they announced that down in Houston and other Hall of Fame members were there, you just felt part of a family that was special. And, and uh, the way they handled things uh, was so incredible to me, the way they took care of us, the way they included us. And then that moment on the stage when everybody came up, all the Hall of Famers came up after the speeches, um, will probably go down as one of the greatest memories I've ever had, probably superseding even the national championship. And Other than my kids being born, it was one of the combination of work and knowing that people had to respect what you do or you don't make it there. And that, for me, uh, you know, with Fran Jenkins and all the work she did, and trying to tell me how it was going to be. She did a great job, but it was better than she even told me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, he has coached his way to seven Final Fours, winning it all in 2003. Big Ten Coach of the Year awards. Uh, He's a Michiganders Michigander in a 2016 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame in Shrine, and he's still not done. He is, of course, head coach Tom Izzo. Coach, thanks again for this time. This was a lot of fun for me.
1: Well, Kyle, I appreciate you. I appreciate the Hall and Fran and everybody. And I just want to say that uh, being able to still coach and asking your last question and being already a member, um, it doesn't put pressure on me. It, it just makes me feel that I owe so many people um, the thought of and thinking that highly of me. I've got to make sure I live on to those expectations. And for whatever time I have left, that's what I plan on doing.